Um, If you have your Bibles with you this morning or a device, whatever you may have, I want you to turn to Psalm 13. That's where we're gonna start this morning. And it says, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will the enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle in my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice in my downfall, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. David, the author of many of the Psalms, was a man who was brutally honest with God. David knew how to pour out his heart before God. And so many times when we read the Psalms, we can learn from them because they, they shape our ability in the way that we pray and the way that we communicate with God. David understood what it was like to go to the Father, to pour out his heart in the middle of circumstances, all circumstances in life. David is referred to as a man after God's own heart. He was chosen to be king because God saw his heart. And it wasn't an easy road for David, and he made a lot of mistakes along the way. It was not an easy journey to kingship for David. There was a lot of battles and circumstances and people going after him and mistakes he made and pride he had to deal with and all sorts of things. But David was connected to the heart of the Father. David was a man after God's own heart. The Psalms were written in some of the darkest moments in David's life. Moments where he felt just like this one, where he felt rejected, he felt abandoned. He's asking, where are you? How long do I have to go with this? But he opened his heart honestly before the Lord. He opened his heart honestly before the Lord. David knew how to have honest conversations with God. David, like I said, he didn't have an easy journey. He was a warrior early on, even before God chose him to be king. He was a shepherd that went to great lengths to protect his sheep. And then even then later on, he defeated Goliath, something that no one else could do or no one else had the courage to do. And he faced lots of battles, lots of things. He had to run. He was a fugitive at times, rejected, you know, enemies coming from all sides. His own boss, King Saul, was so um, raged with jealousy for David that he went after him several times trying to kill him. But David went to God every time and he understood the nearness of the father. He poured out his heart before the Lord David faced battles, he faced abandonment, was a fugitive, made mistakes, but David experienced the intimacy of the Lord, the work of the Lord, and David knew how to have honest conversations with God. I titled this message today, Honest Conversations. So if you'll pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, for the work that you've already done, for the words that have already been spoken, and for the lives that have walked out of here forever changed. So, Father, we just pray that you will just pour into our hearts today. We receive your word and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. When we're honest, it's free of deceit. We're sincere. When we have a conversation, it's a two-way conversation. We talk, it's informal, and feelings and ideas are exchanged. The product of honest conversations is intimacy, trust. And in return, it helps us be open and vulnerable. I have struggled with this in my life. Struggled with feeling like if I could be open before the Lord, 
if I could pour out my heart before the Father. I think part of it was probably the church I was raised in. Um, I felt like it, you know, I had to check off this checklist and these check boxes, and I had to be a certain way when I went to the Father, and I had to pray a certain way and follow a formula, but that's not his heart at all. That's not his heart at all. I think part of it was I had a distorted view of what the Father was like and what our relationship was supposed to be like, and I had a distorted view of myself. I didn't feel worthy enough or that I was enough to go to the Father and pour out my heart before him. But we can go to the Father and we can be honest with him and we can have honest conversations with him because honesty is the first step to freedom in our lives. I think many times, like I said, we have this misconception of what prayer really is. But prayer is when we approach God with our heart, we pour out our emotions to him, and we're honest with him. Do you believe that you're worthy enough to do that? Do you believe that you're worthy enough of his love? Do you believe that you're enough? We can have honest conversations with him. We have to be honest with ourselves. The first step to freedom, like I said, is honesty. How many of you, maybe even today, (laughs) this might step on some toes, but how many of you, all craziness broke out before you wheeled into the church, probably came in here on one wheel, you know, flying down the road just to get here. Kids are screaming, you argued with your husband, you argued with your wife, or maybe it's just been one of those weeks at work or maybe there's just been some pain and loss and you walk in here with a smile on your face like, what a great day we're having. This is the day that the Lord has made. God is good. I'm just having the best day ever. And you walk in with that smile on your face, people asking how you're doing. I'm great. Everything's great. Come on, kids, smile. You better smile. Everything's good. Nudging your husband. Come on. Anyways, but you walk in here pretending never dealing with what's really going on, never dealing with the pain, the trauma, the feelings of anxiety or worry, feeling like you're crumbling, and you walk out of here just the same. You walk out of here just the same. It's difficult to face the truth. It is. It's difficult for us to be honest with ourselves. It's difficult for us to have self-care. Because often many of us, we put other things and other people before us. But we have to be honest with ourselves. Romans 12, 3, it says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I, have give, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by faith that God has given us. We have to daily examine our hearts. Daily have those honest, be honest with ourselves. Because when we're honest, we open our hearts to receive the truth that he wants to give to us. We open the door for us to hear and receive because God cannot bless and God cannot revive a heart that refuses to acknowledge the truth. God cannot bless or revive a heart that refuses to acknowledge the truth. Psalm 139, verse one through two, it says, "'O Lord, you have examined my heart. "'You know everything about me. "'You know when I sit down and when I stand up. "'You know my thoughts even when I'm far away.'" Guess what? Nothing alarms God. Nothing surprises him. He knows it. He can handle the weight of our pain. He can handle the weight of our past. He can handle the weight of our emotions. He knows every detail about our lives. And he, we may be confused about who we are, but he is not confused about who we are. He knows you more than you know yourself. And he knows you more than anyone else does. No matter what they've said, what they've done, he knows you and he knows who you are. We gotta stop pretending. Social media is the worst with this. 
we look at social media and somebody's posted this amazing picture of their family or, you know, what they're doing, things that they're doing. We look at that and we're like, if I could just, if I could just do what they're doing or if I could just dress that way or do what they're doing with their kids or, or do this or do that, not knowing that behind closed doors, it could be chaos. No telling what is going on. And we work so hard at measuring up to what we think we should be or this portrait that we have of what a perfect person or a perfect family looks like that we lose sight of what God is calling us to be. And we're pretending and we're blending in. We gotta stop pretending. Stop pretending. In Psalm 139, Verse 13 through 14, it said, says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. He knows what is in you more than you do. Your existence is intentional and you are no mistake. Your existence is intentional and you are no mistake. He loves you. He pursues you. He knows your purpose. He knows your value. He knows your worth. And we don't have to pretend anymore and we don't have to be ashamed of who we are because he is not ashamed of us. He is not ashamed of us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to hear him and hear what he has to say about you. The enemy is at work. He is at work. He is at work making sure that you do not see the truth of who you are. He is at work to see, to make sure that you never realize who you are or you realize your greatness or potential or your calling or see that you can completely trust God in the midst of the battle. He is at work. If we wanna be effective in the battle though, when you are faced with a battle, when, you're, when life has thrown you a curveball, if you wanna be effective in the battle, you've gotta open your heart to receive the truth. You have to open your heart to receive the truth. The enemy wants you to stay in a constant state of defeat. He wants you to be deceived. He wants you to be drowning in the lies of insecurity. He wants you to pretend who you're not, to keep pretending. He wants you to be like a chameleon and blend in. He doesn't want you to stand out because the enemy knows the power of the truth. And he knows the power of people that know who they are and they know the truth about who they are. We have to face the truth. We're broken, we're wounded, we're messed up. We're messed up. But this will not change until we're honest. This will not change until we face the truth. None of us wanna stay stuck. I don't wanna stay stuck. I wanna be free. I don't want to be the same I am today a year down the road. I don't want to be dealing with the same struggles a year down the road, even a week, a month. I don't want to be dealing with the same things. But my behavior, our behavior will not change until we're honest. Honesty with ourselves allows God to talk. It allows him to speak to us. It allows him to heal us. It allows him to speak into those places where we've opened a door to the enemy. Because God wants to take care of those things so he can talk to you about your future. Because lack of honesty threatens your future. Lack of honesty, lack of the truth threatens your future. And I don't know about you, I wanna make sure my future's okay because my kids that I love so much, I wanna make sure that they're not dealing with the same mess that I'm dealing with. I want to break this cycle today so that future generations are not dealing with the same thing. Yes. Yes. Lack of honesty threatens our future. We've got to 
deal with the pain. We've got to deal with the wounds. Don't cover it. Don't hide from it. Be honest with yourself and say, I need a savior. I need a savior to heal me. We've got to admit. Admit our weaknesses. Admit our shortcomings. We, were, we just got back yesterday from a baseball camp that my son Wyatt had gone to, and it was at Texas A&M, and one of the coaches on their baseball staff, um, he got up and shared you know, some motivational things for the players, which was so good. Me and my husband were like, why didn't we record it? But, um, but it was, he started sharing a story about um, when he was coaching on the high school level, they lost a student um, at the age of 16. He died of a rare condition and um, an athlete. And he said that his daughter got up and spoke at the funeral. And one of the things she shared was pretty much, what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with this? Are we going to walk out of here the same? Or are we going to change some things? Are we going to use this, you know, this is a terrible loss, this terrible situation? We can change it. God can turn it around for good. And he was talking about how the high school completely changed after that. Like kids were seeking out other kids who were lonely or had been bullied or, and they were being kind to one another and checking on one another. And he said, then it trickled into other schools from there. So what are we gonna do with our shortcomings? What are we gonna do with our weaknesses? What are we gonna do with our trials? Because it's just as important on what we do with our weaknesses and our trials and our shortcomings as it is on what we do with our strengths. Because God can make beauty for ashes. I've said that many, many times here when I've spoken. God can make beauty for ashes. We don't wanna stay stuck. We have to admit our weakness because God's love is the cure. And you may be today dealing with fear Maybe you feel like I can't be honest with myself because I'm afraid to be. I'm afraid to deal with these things. I've been used to them for so long, been wearing them for so long. I'm afraid to do that. But you don't have to stay stuck here because perfect love is the antidote to fear. God's love is the cure. You don't have to stay stuck there. God wants to release you of that fear. And he's saying, it's okay. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to admit your weaknesses to me. I know. I know what's going on. God wants you to have freedom. God's will is to take care of what has been done for you, for, to you. What has been done to you? Because Jesus covered that on the cross. It's covered. It's taken care of. He wants you to take care of yourself. He wants you to receive that truth. He wants you to be honest with yourself and forgive others, forgive yourself, to ask for forgiveness. Philippians 3.13 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Don't stay stuck in the same exact place. Don't stay stuck here. Submit to the healing process. Process with a loving father because it's a journey. And he reveals the root. He'll, re he'll reveal the root of those lies that we believed. And he'll reveal where he was in that trauma and those things that we've gone through. And then he'll start speaking how he sees you and who you are, and revealing that truth to you. Submit to the healing process. And then we listen. We just listen. We allow God to talk to us. We allow God to speak to us. He speaks, we listen. We speak, he listens. It's a conversation. It's an honest conversation. He reveals those things so that you can see that what has been done to you is not because something is wrong with you. He wants to heal you from shame and unworthiness. When we are healed, healing of that inner person is rest 
for our souls. And how many of you want to rest? How many of you want to rest? David knew he needed God even when he messed up. He knew he needed God even in the battle. And he knew he needed God's grace because he feared what he could lose because of his sin. He knew he needed God's grace. He knew God's nearness in the battle. We have to be honest with ourselves and say, I need you, God. I need your grace. I need your healing. I want to, I'm ready. I'm ready to walk this journey. And then we're honest with God. David was often hurt and angry, dealing with betrayal, guilt, enemies pursuing him on all sides. But he opened his heart to God and told him exactly what he felt. We just read Psalm 13, but one of those verses, Psalm 13, 5, it says, but I trust in your unfailing love and I will rejoice because you have rescued me. You have rescued me. Can we be honest with ourselves? How many of you, every time we're faced with a battle or a circumstance or curveball that life's thrown us, how many times do we try to fix it on our own? Instead of just trying to take it to the Father first. We create way more of a mess than what could have been done if we had just gone to the Father first. I have been so guilty of this so many times. I may have control issues sometimes, maybe, I don't know. But, but there's, there's those moments that I, you know, my fear and anxiety and worry overtakes and I think, okay, I'm just gonna fix it on my own. And I've had seasons in my life where I thought I could do it on my own. I thought I didn't need, I didn't need God. I didn't need the church. I didn't need community. I'll just figure this out on my own. But that was some of the darkest times in my life. Darkest seasons, loneliest seasons, isolated seasons where my heart was not connected to God. We have to stay connected to the heart of the Father David made big mistakes in his life. One of them that's very well known is David and Bathsheba. And the choices that David made in that situation led to a lot of destruction in a lot of people's lives, not just his. And he tried to cover it. And he tried to run from it. But when he was confronted, David repented. David knew how to repent. <laughs> he was a pro at repenting. And, uh, <laughs> but when confronted... He turned to repentance. David was by no means perfect. But he kept his heart connected to God. He came to the Father with his messy, raw, open, vulnerable self because he wanted help. And he repented. In Psalm 51, verse four through six, it says, against you and only you I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought for iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in secret heart. David didn't pass blame on anybody else. David said, I've sinned against you, God. I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And then he recognized his wrongdoings. He recognized, he spoke from his soul and he witnessed the grace of God. God wants the real us, our whole hearts, the intimate parts of our souls. He longs for us to have the freedom in expressing our souls and pouring out our hearts before them because the product of us being open and honest is intimacy. That's the product. He can handle the full weight of everything we give him. He's got it. He's got it. David pursued the heart of the Father. And I wanna ask you, are you ready to pursue the heart of the Father? Do you want a deeper relationship with God? Or you just want a surface level? We've got to be open. We've got to be honest. 
We've got to realize that we can go to the, we can go to the Father and pour out our hearts before him. Psalm 139, verse 17 through 18, it says, How precious to me are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. David was confident in the nearness of the Father in the midst of his enemies. David was confident in the Lord. And God is inviting us to ask him, hey God, search my heart. Investigate. Cross-examine me. Help me with what's going on in here. Heal me from this. And we can do that because he loves us he accepts us, and he is not ashamed of us. We're no mistake. We can go freely to the Father, and we no longer have to hide in that shame anymore because God sent his son Jesus to rescue us, to cover us. What Jesus did on the cross covered our shame, covered our guilt, covered our mistakes. We just have to receive to go to the Father. God is waiting for us with arms open wide, waiting for us to come to him, to lay it all down at his feet, the messiness, the ugliness. David had the good, the bad, and the really, really ugly. And that's what God wants. He wants us to come, with, come to him with the good, the bad, and the really, really ugly. He can take it. Because what he does is he accepts us. He loves us. He comforts us. He speaks to us. He speaks to those places. He speaks his truth. When David went to God after making this mistake, God, David was truly after a man's own heart because he admitted his wrongdoings. He sought reconciliation and God saw his humility and his integrity. And then David began to try to take the steps to change. You can't have an intimate relationship with someone or with the Father if you are not open and honest. To have intimacy, it has to be both ways. He created you to reveal himself through you. We have to be honest. And when we open our hearts to him, he begins to speak that truth and we receive it. He is our source of life who wants to do life with us. That's something that I've had to come to realize in the past year or two. I had to release my control, release my pride, whatever it was. And I had to say, God, I want you to be involved in every single area of my life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I want you to be involved in it. And you know, so many times we think prayer's gotta look like this. It's gotta be a formula. We gotta wake up at this certain time, pray this certain way, go down our list. But God wants you talking to him all the time. He wants to be involved. He wants to be involved. So I've thrown out the formula and I'm like, okay, God, here I am. I'm pouring out my heart before you. I don't want anything hidden from you. And I want you to speak to me. We're in a conversation that's what prayer is supposed to look like. That's what prayer is supposed to look like. No matter what the circumstance, we can go to the Father. I would never want to get to heaven. I wouldn't want to get to heaven and discover all the things I could have been saved from and all the blessings I may have missed out on because I didn't go to the Father. I didn't take it to the Father. I didn't pour out my heart before the Father. We have to be honest with ourselves. Most importantly, we have to be honest with God. And the last thing is we have to be honest with others. Just recently, um, I became pastor over life groups, which is something I'm very pumped up about. I'm very, very passionate about. I'm excited about the fall with the team conference. We're gonna have a special time for our life group leaders or anyone that wants to check out being a life group leader. We wanna invite you to that. But I am pumped about life groups. Our life group launch, we're gonna do it differently in the fall. 
But the reason why I'm so passionate about life groups is because it's been in my life since I was probably about nine or 10. Um, at the church I grew up in, my parents were care, they called them care group leaders. And they were care group leaders. And I watched my parents open their home. It was typically on a Sunday night. Every other Sunday night, they opened their home to people within the church. We, you know, we broke bread, you know, we had fellowship, you know, things like that. Everybody brought like chips and dips and all that stuff. And then, you know, we had a devotional and we prayed. And I, I can remember some powerful, amazing moments. I can remember there was one night a lady spoke into my life, had a prophetic word at a young age for me. Groups have been involved in my life, like I said, since I was about nine or 10. And I can remember if they weren't leading a life group or leading a care group, they were always involved in one. And I got excited about going to those things. I was, pretty much grew up as an only child. I, had, I have two uh, half-brothers that are older than me, but I loved going to groups because I liked community. You know, I wanted to be around people. I, and I saw some amazing things, amazing breakthrough happen in groups, and I watched people take care of each other, and I watched my parents lead by example and take care of other people, even with full-time jobs. I watched them take care of people, call and check on them. Sometimes people were coming over when they were in a crisis, and I watched my parents take care of these people. And I'll never forget that there was a family that was new to our church, just getting involved in our church. And um, we got a phone call that this family had lost a baby. They had lost a child. And I remember my mom calling the family saying, hey, can we come by? I can still see the house. I can still see the people. And I can still see the impact it made in their lives. About my mom just going over there, bringing them food, checking on them, loving on them, praying with them, going to the funeral. I can still remember their faces and the impact that made on their lives. We need others. We need community. We have to be honest with others and we need others that will be honest with us. We need the strength that comes from others. The enemy, especially in our society today, wants us to think that we are better off alone. Wants us to think that we're strong when we can do it on our own, but we're weak when we ask for help. The enemy wants you to think that you are strong because you did it on your own, no matter who you may have hurt along the way. The enemy wants you to forget who gave you all of those blessings? Who gave you that promotion? Who made those things in your life happen? The enemy wants you to forget that because the enemy promotes pride and he promotes selfishness and he wants us to think that we're weak when we ask for help. God doesn't like it when we think we've done it all on our own. <laughs> when we forget who gave us those things. God doesn't hate the person, but God does hate pride. We first need God, but we also need others, and others need us. You can't do life alone. You need people in your life to call on and to speak honestly to you. And you need that person, you need to be that person that's willing to speak honestly to others. There's a big difference between a strong and independent person who knows that when they're in a crisis, they understand that they can call on someone to support them, to be there for them, rather than someone who's isolated and drowning, who's too prideful to ask for help. There's a huge difference between the two. Huge difference. You are designed by God to live the best life possible, and he's offering that to you free, free. You are designed to be in community with him and others. With others, you can accomplish so much more. In community, you have a place to serve. You have a place to use your gifts that someone else needs. Someone else needs your gifts and talents. When we're low on fuel, 
and we're in community, others can give us the fuel to keep moving forward. Community is life-giving. David was in community. He had Jonathan. 1 Samuel 18, verse 1 through 4. After David had finished talking to Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. And there was an immediate bond between them. For Jonathan loved David, and from that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. You see, David was very successful in battle. He had a lot of successes. He had defeated the giant. He had defeated some other things. But Jonathan saw the greatness in David, and he wasn't threatened by it. He saw the greatness in him, and he wasn't threatened by it. He saw the call on his life, and that David wasn't called to the same call he was called to. He recognized David was called to this. I'm called to this. I'm not threatened by him. He committed himself to David, loved David as much as he loved himself. In fact, he gave up something when he saw the potential and the call on David's life. He wasn't seeking something in return. Demonstrated his covenant by giving up something in return. He saw the greatness in David. And we need to see the greatness in us. And we need people who see the greatness in us and can call it out. And we need to be the people that can call out the greatness in other people. Jonathan's own father, King Saul, was so jealous of David and David's success and fame that he tried to kill him. But Jonathan protected David, went to bat for David, supported David, had his back, spoke up to his own father about David, served him and protected him when he was in danger. That's what healthy community is. Healthy community encourages, it supports, it gives wisdom. It's not self-seeking. Toxic community, draining. Give and take. Selfish. Narcissistic. Not loyal or honest. We need healthy community. Jesus set the example of doing life in community. So Pastor J.W. and Kayla went to a church and she came back when we were planning um, life group, life group lunch. And she was telling me about some t-shirts she saw. And one of them was Jesus was in a life group. Jesus was in a life group. He had the disciples. <laughs> Let's think about it. He broke bread with them. He hung out with them. He dealt with all their annoying things that, and, and <laughs> character flaws that they had. You know, He supported them. He walked with them. Jesus did life with him. Some of the messiest and most dysfunctional people Jesus did life with. <laughs> and guess what? We're messy and we're dysfunctional. We can do life together. And so <laughs> healthy life groups. And I think we have some really healthy life groups here. I'm so grateful for that. Life groups have been a part of us since day one. I think probably the first life group was just the entire church because that's how small we were. But then it branched out to more than that. And my husband and I have led a life group. I've led life groups before, been involved in life groups. Um, we have a life group still running here called the Hot Mess Moms. Um, that Rachel Mandrier is leading. I guess I'm the OG of it because I started it with a friend. <laughs> and so, but I have watched our groups here at Pathway and I'm so grateful for them, how they, they rally. They rally around one another. They speak truth into each other's lives. They're there to give the fuel to keep others going. They help them get past the cycle that people are stuck in. Because we can come to a group with our messiness, but we're not going to let you stay stuck there. We're going to help you move forward. That's what healthy life groups are. It gives you a community that does not choose between grace and truth. It's a community that provides grace and truth. 
Jesus was grace and truth. He is grace and truth. He was total unmerited favor and he gave us what we didn't deserve. He gave us an example of how we should live. He shows us how we should live and how we should lead. He shows us his love as we come to him with our real self, our open hearts. And he forgives and loves and gives us grace and he never shames us and he removes the shame from our lives. Ephesians 4 15 says, instead, we will speak truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. That's what we're going to do in life groups. We're going to speak truth in love. We're gonna show grace and truth. That's what I want our life group leaders to do. That's why, how I want them to raise up other leaders to lead life groups. My heart for life groups, my heart for community is that our leaders will do the same thing that Jesus did. That they will follow the example of Jesus, be God's representative, and create a place where attendees of their group can process the failures, the mess-ups, celebrate the wins, Give support, forgive, help, love, care, speak truth, be honest, and give truth and grace. Truth and love leads us to a deeper connection with God and others. If you want to grow and you want to go deeper, you need to get involved in a group. You need a group, you need accountability. You need acceptance. You need authenticity. The real, when we're vulnerable, it leads to intimacy. We need people in our lives who can give us what we can't give ourselves. We need people who will build us up, speak to us, love us, speak truth in our, in our lives. We need community that is not afraid to be honest. And we need to not be afraid to be honest. We want to be honest with others, but we want to show them grace and truth. It's not about, oh, well, you should do this and you should do that and you should, uh uh-uh. No, no should-haves. We want to speak grace and truth in our communities and we want to be those people. There is a group here, some of them are here today, they're going to know who I'm talking about, but there's a group of ladies here, here and they call themselves like the tribe. And so I love these ladies because I love watching the example of what community is like. I've seen these ladies pack up to go take care of one of their own who was living out of town, pack up and go help them out in a crisis and speak truth to them. I've watched them support one another, pray with one another, lift each other up, try to get each other the help that they need, the support that they need. That's what community is all about. We all need a tribe like that. I want a tribe like that. We all need a tribe like that. That is what community is all about. People that are not afraid to speak truth into our lives. And we're not afraid. We've, had, we've created a safe space where it can be a two-way thing where we can support one another, love, care, be honest with each other. There are people here today, when I was preparing for this message and praying over this, there are people here that are like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing that again. I'm not getting involved in community again. I've been hurt in the past. I've been hurt in groups. I haven't been able to trust others. And what God is saying to you is try it again. Try it again. Allow me to handle it this time. Try it again. You need community. You need others. You need that support. You need those people that can help fill you up when you're feeling low. You need community. So I'm going to challenge you. Try it again. Try it again. Find your community because you're worth it and you're worthy of it. You are worth it and you are worthy of it. My challenge to you today is to live in a higher way. Live in a higher way.
pursue that life that God created you to have. One of the things I feel like I need to say that I didn't share earlier was King David was not a lot of people's first choice to be king. He was several of their last choice, but he was God's first choice. And you're God's first choice to what he has called you to do. You're not his last. You're not his backup plan. You're his first choice. I want to challenge you today to live in a higher way. Pursue the Father. Be honest with yourself. Begin the healing process. Start that healing process with God. Be honest to him and say, I need a savior. I need to be rescued today. And find those people that give you that grace and truth that you can be honest with and they can be honest with you. Open your heart to the Father and allow Him to fill. Allow Him to give you all that you need. Allow Him to heal. Don't miss out on what He has for you. I wanna invite you to stand. And as you're standing, if you'll just go ahead and close your eyes in this moment. shared in the first service I didn't know if I was going to share it again in this one but I'm feeling like I should I shared in the first service that there's somebody in here that you've walked in and you've spent a long time wearing shame and this shame is gripping you and I don't know what's happened in your past or what you've gone through but you have been wearing this shame like a cloak and it's been weighing you down. And it's been so heavy that at times it's hard to even get out of bed in the mornings. God wants you to be free. He doesn't want you to deal with this shame anymore. He doesn't want you to wear this heavy cloak of shame anymore. He wants to set you free. He wants to break all the chains that are binding you right now. He wants you to have the best life. He's asking you to pour out your heart before Him, to give Him that shame, to give Him that shame. You are not defined by that shame. And I spoke also on fear. And if you have walked in here with fear that has been holding you back from doing what God has called you to do, it's time to let it go and receive his perfect love into your life. So in this moment with our eyes closed, I'm just going to pray a prayer and you can talk to God in your own words, but we're going to lay this shame down. We're going to lay this fear down today. We're not going to pretend anymore. We're going to walk out of here forever changed. Father, today we lay down fear. We lay down shame. And we say today that we no longer want to wear these things. We no longer want to deal with the heaviness of shame and fear. We give it to you, Father, and we release it to you. We open our hearts before you, Father. God, take this. I give it to you. Speak truth into my life. Show me the lies I believed. Show me where you were. Speak truth into my life. Show me who I am. I give you this and I want to walk out of here lighter and forever changed. Thank you, Father, for sending your son, Jesus, who took my shame and took my fear. let's just stay in this moment. If there is anyone in here today and you've got to be honest with yourself and say, I need a savior. I need Jesus. I need him in my life. I want to be connected to the father. 
I want to be connected to the heart of the Father. If that's you, and you want to make the decision to accept Jesus, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just lift up your hand, and we'll pray a prayer with you. Father, you can just pray a prayer like this. Father, I'm going to be honest. I need you. I need you in my life. I'm messed up. I'm broken. And I give you all my brokenness. Forgive me of my sins. You took those on the cross. You took my brokenness on the cross. I need you. I want to be connected to you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I make the decision today to make you number one in my life. And I am ready to start this journey with you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Beginning this adventure with you, this journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen. At this moment, I would like to invite our prayer team to come forward. And as they're coming forward, I want to just tell you that we have an amazing prayer team here at Pathway Church. These are safe people that you can be honest with, <laughs> that you can have honest conversations with. And they are here to pray with you about whatever you're going through. They're here to celebrate with you if you've made a decision today to follow Christ. But I want to I want to challenge you. Don't leave it out of here without dealing what you walked in here with. This is a great team who is here to pray with you. So I'm going to pray a prayer over you. And then at dismissal, you're welcome to come forward and pray with one of these team members. Jesus, I thank you, God, for being here today, being here in this building, God, for your presence, for the lives that have been changed, for those that have made the decision to follow you, that are walking out of here forever changed. Father, I pray that you will help us to be honest with ourselves, to pour out our hearts before you, to allow you to heal us, God, and God, that you will help us find our community. God, I pray that we'll leave out of here forever changed. God, I pray that this is the best week yet over our people. In Jesus' name, amen.